Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This will be for section 123, and now we're going to finish up the letter that Joseph wrote. I'm going to read the heading first. Duty of the Saints in Relation to Their Persecutors, as written by Joseph Smith the Prophet, while a prisoner in the jail at Liberty, Missouri. This section is an excerpt from an epistle to the church dated March 20, 1839. So this is a continuation of sections 121 and 122. I'm going to read you first from the letter a little bit until we get into the various uh, verses. Now, brethren, I would suggest for the consideration of the conference, it's being carefully and wisely understood by the council of, or conferences, that our brethren scattered abroad who understand the spirit of the gathering, that they fall into the places and refuge of safety that God shall open unto them between Kirtland and far west. Those from the east and from the west and from far countries, let them fall in somewhere between those two boundaries, in the most safe and quiet places they can find, and let this be the present understanding until God shall open a more effectual door for us for further considerations. And again, we further suggest for the considerations of the council that there be no organization of large bodies upon common stock principles in property or of large companies of firms until the Lord shall signify it in a proper manner as it opens such a dreadful field for the avaricious, the indolent, and the corrupt-hearted to prey upon the innocent and virtuous and honest. We have reason to believe that many things were introduced among the saints before God had signified the times, and notwithstanding the principles and plans may have been good, yet aspiring men, or in other words, men who had not the substance of godliness about them, perhaps undertook to handle edged tools. Children, you know, are fond of tools while they are not yet able to use them. Time and experience, however, are the only safe remedies against such evils. There are many teachers, but perhaps not many fathers. There are, many, there are times coming when God will signify many things which are expedient for the well-being of the saints, but the times have not yet come, but will come as fast as there can be found place and reception for them. Verse 1. And again we would suggest for your consideration the propriety of all the saints gathering up a knowledge of all the facts and sufferings and abuses upon, put upon them by the people of this state. Dr. Clark V. Johnson, professor of church history and doctrine at BYU, compiled a, a published and published over 700 redress petitions of the saints regarding the conflicts in Missouri. He has written, as an outgrowth of the Mormon War, Joseph Smith spent the winter of 1838-39 confined to jail in Liberty, Missouri. While imprisoned, he instructed the saints to assemble all their grievances against Missouri to organize a committee and to present the information to the U.S. government. Joseph sent word to the saints to prepare affidavits of their recent experiences with the design of securing redress from the federal government for the losses they had suffered in Missouri at the hands of mobocrats. In 1839, church members commenced writing affidavits of their Missouri experiences and swearing to their authenticity before civil authorities, including justices of the peace, clerks of the court, clerks of the circuit court, clerks of county commissioners' courts, and notary publics in two counties in Iowa and ten counties in Illinois. Thus, the saints took every precaution to send sworn legal documents authenticated by the seals of local government officials. They even sent documents authenticating uh, uh, officials themselves 
authenticating the officials themselves. During the ensuing years, the Mormons presented these documents to the federal government in an effort to obtain reparation for their sufferings in Missouri. The petitions indicate that the Nauvoo Saints made at least three and probably four separate attempts to obtain redress from Congress. Church leaders made the first appeal beginning late in 1839. Joseph Smith led the Mormon delegation, which originally consisted of Elias Higby, Sidney Rigdon, and Orrin Porter Rockwell. Robert Foster later joined the group as a physician to Sidney Rigdon. The Prophet and Higby were the first members of the delegation to reach Washington, D.C., arriving on the 28th of November, 1839. On the following day, they met with President Martin Van Buren, who showed some sympathy but offered no assistance. By the 23rd of December, 1839, Rigdon, Foster, and Rockwell had arrived in Washington, D.C. Together, the five members of this delegation made every effort to, to place the Mormon cause before the U.S. Congress. Besides the introductory memorial signed by Joseph Smith, Sidney Rigdon, and Elias Smith, they presented 491 individual claims to Congress. Nothing came from these attempts. Frustrated by their lack of success, Joseph Porter Rockwell and Dr. Foster left Washington late in February 1840. Rig Rigdon and Higby remained in Washington a few weeks more, continuing the effort. However, nothing came of this final attempt, and Higby returned to Nauvoo, followed shortly by Rigdon. Verse 2, and also of all the property and amount of damages which have been which they have sustained, both of character and personal injuries, as well as real property, and also the names of all persons that have had hand in their, op in their oppressions as far as they can get hold of them and find them out. And perhaps a committee can be appointed to find out these things and to take statements and affidavits and also to gather up the libelous publications that are afloat. And all that are in the magazines and in the encyclopedias and all the libelous histories that are published in our writing and by whom and present the whole concatenation of diabolical rascality and nefarious and murderous imposi impositions that have been practiced upon this people. Boy, those are big words. That we may not only publish to all the world, but present them to the heads of government in all their dark and hellish hue as the last effort which is enjoined on us by our Heavenly Father before we can fully and completely claim that promise which shall call him forth from his hiding place, and also that the whole nation may be left without excuse before he can send forth the power of his almighty arm. After the saints were driven from Jackson County, Missouri, the Lord gave them instructions to importune at the feet of the judge, the governor, and the president for redress. It was only after the saints had done their part to follow the procedures of justice delineated in the Constitution of the United States and were not upheld in their rights that the Lord would rise and come forth out of his hiding place and in his fury vex the nation. In order for the saints to have claim on the Lord's promise, they needed to obey his commands concerning the presentation of affidavits to the government leaders that the Lord did come out of his fury against the nation as evidenced by the Civil War. That was by Joseph Feely McConkie. Verse 7, It is an imperative duty that we owe to God, to angels, with whom we shall be brought to stand, and also to ourselves, to our wives and children, who have been made to bow down in grief, sorrow, and care under the most damning hand of murder, tyranny, and oppression, supported and urged on and upheld by the influence of that spirit which hath so strongly riveted the creeds of the fathers, who have inherited lies upon the hearts of the children and filled the world with confusion, and has been growing stronger and stronger, and is now the very mainspring of all corruption, and the whole earth groans under the weight of its iniquity. It is an iron yoke, it is a strong hand, or it is a strong band. They are the very handcuffs and chains and shackles and fetters of hell. 
It would be hard to overstate the wickedness of, or the darkness that had been spawned by the creeds of historical Christianity. By their very nature, they deny the principle of revelation, enshrining in its stead the philosophical vagaries of men. They are the banners of tyrants and the colors under which the enemies of agency and freedom of religion have marched. They have been the source of license by which the saints of God have been hounded, pillaged, tortured, and slain in one generation after another. They are the children of priestcraft, born to mystify the spirit, the simple truths of heaven in such a manner as to convince the honest truth-seeker that only those who have been baptized in the sophistry of men can understand them. Thus, by blocking the light of heaven, they, ca they cause a spiritual eclipse and establish themselves as the way, the truth, and the light. Wherever creeds are found, one can also expect to find a paid clergy, the simple truths of the gospel cloaked in the dark robes of mystery, religious intolerance, and a history of bloodshed. That was by Joseph Eli McConkie. Verse 9, Therefore it is an imperative duty that we owe, not only to our own wives and children, but to the widows and fatherless, whose husbands and fathers have been murdered under its iron hand, which dark and blackening deeds are enough to make hell itself shudder, and to stand aghast and pale in the hands of the very devil to tremble in palsy. The prophet Joseph Smith attributes the persecutions of the saints to the religious bigotry of the Missourians. Regardless of historical commentary attributing the conflict between the saints and the old settlers to cultural differences, political power, or economic advantage, the main complaint that the Missourians had against the saints was their religion. For example, Captain Samuel Bogart, who led a company of Caldwell County Militia against the saints, was a Methodist minister. He and two other ministers, Neil Gillum and Sashel Woods, led much of the opposition to the saints. The theme of religion Religious persecution is borne out even more plainly by the fact that many saints were given the opportunity to remain in Missouri if they would deny their faith or their, or their religion. Verse 11, and also it is an imperative duty that we owe to all, all the rising generation as and to all the pure in heart. For there are many yet on the earth among all sects, parties, and, and denominations who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. Therefore, that we would waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all the hidden things of darkness wherein we know them, and they are truly manifest from heaven. These should then be attended to with great earnestness. Let no man count them as small things, for there is much which lieth in futurity, pertaining to the saints, which depends upon these things. You know, brethren, that a very large ship is benefited very much by a small, a very small helm in the time of a storm, by being kept work, workways with the wind and the waves. Therefore, clearly, beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power, and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. The need has never been greater for publishing the truth to all the world. Satan has set up a kingdom whose doctrines include all manner of lies concerning the Lord's people and his church. Many people among the religious, the religions of the, of the world know instinctively that the creeds of their faith are incorrect. They know by the Spirit of God that they are his children and that, and that they were created in his image. The apostasy left the world barren of the fruits of truth. The restoration of the fullness of the gospel provided the truths that the honest in heart seek, yet they are left to wander the earth seeking the word of the Lord. We are stewards of the restoration and must do all within our power to publish the glad tidings of truth. Thus, the answer to, to attacks against the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon is to flood the earth with copies of that volume, allowing all people to judge for themselves as they read and pray concerning its testimony of Jesus Christ. I think it was in last conference that Elder Suarez mentioned that there's been about 180 million copies of the Book of Mormon sent forth. That's awesome. 
Likewise, the answer to every attack against the kingdom of God is to publish the truth as far and wide as our means will permit through members, full-time missionaries, books, newspapers, magazines, the internet, videos, television, and radio interviews, and any other means at our disposal through which the Spirit of God might witness to the heart of those who are seeking the truth. And that was by Joseph Felix McConkie. Now, I finished the scriptures for this section, but the letter continues, so I'll continue the letter to the end. And again, I would further suggest the impropriety of the organization of bands or companies by covenants or oaths, by penalties or secrecies, but let the time past of our experience and sufferings by the wickedness of Dr. Avard suffice, and let our covenant be that of the everlasting covenant, as is contained in the Holy Writ and the things that God hath revealed unto us. Pure friendship always becomes weakened the very moment you undertake to make it stronger by penal oaths and secrecy. Your humble servant or servants intend from henceforth to disapprobate everything that is not in accordance with the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and is not of a bold and frank and upright nature. They will not hold their peace as in times past when they see iniquity beginning to rear its head. For fear of traitors or the consequences that shall follow by reproving those who creep in unawares that they may get something with which to destroy the flock, we believe that the experiences that the experience of the saints in times past has been sufficient that they will form that they will from henceforth be always ready to obey the truth without having men's persons in admiration because of advantage it is expedient that we should be aware of such things and we ought always to be aware of those per, of those prejudices which sometimes so strangely present themselves and are so congenial to human nature against our friends neighbors and brethren of the world who choose to differ from us in opinion and in matters of faith, our religion is between us and our God. Their religion is between them and their God. There is a love from God that, that should be exercised toward those of our faith who walk uprightly, which is peculiar to itself, but it is without prejudice. It also gives scope to the mind, which enables us to conduct ourselves with greater liberality toward all that are not of our faith than what they exercise towards one another. These principles approximate nearer to the mind of God because it is like God or God-like. Here is a principle also which we are bound to be exercised with, that is, in common with all men, such as governments and laws and regulations in the civil concerns of life. This principle guarantees to all parties, sects and denominations and classes of religion, equal, coherent, and undefeasible rights. They are things that pertain to this life. Therefore, all are alike interested. They make our responsibilities one towards another in matters of corruptible things, while the former principles do not destroy the latter, but bind us stronger and make us make our responsibilities not only one to another, but unto God also. Hence, we say that the Constitution of the United States is a glorious standard. It is founded in the wisdom of God. It is a heavenly banner. It is all those who are privileged with the, with the sweets of its liberty, like the cooling shades and refreshing waters of a great rock in a thirsty and weary land. It is like a great tree under whose branches men from every clime can be shielded from the burning rays of the sun. We, brethren, are deprived of the protection of its glorious principles by the cruelty of the cruel by those who only look for the time being for pasturage, like the beasts of the field, only to fill themselves and forget that the Mormons, as well as the Presbyterians and those of every other class and description, have equal rights to, pra- to partake of the fruits of the great tree of our national liberty. But notwithstanding we see what we see and feel what we feel and know what we know, yet that fruit is no less precious and delicious to our taste 
We cannot be weaned from the milk, neither can we be driven from the breast, neither will we deny our religion because of the hand of oppression, but we will hold on until death. We say that God is true, that the Constitution of the United States is true, that the Bible is true, that the Book of Mormon is true, that the Book of Covenants is true, that Christ is true, that the ministering angels sent forth from God are true, and that we know that we have an house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, whose builder and maker is God, a consolation which our oppressors cannot feel even cannot feel when fortune or fate shall lay its iron hand on them as it has on us now we ask what is man remember brethren what time and chance happen to that time and chance happen to all men we shall continue our reflections in our next we subscribe ourselves your sincere friends and brethren in the bonds of the everlasting gospel prisoners of jesus christ for the sake of the gospel and the saints we pronounce the blessings of heaven upon the heads of the saints who seek to serve god with undivided hearts in the name of jesus christ i'm amen and it's signed by joseph smith jr hiram smith lyman white caleb baldwin alexander mccray I know that these things are true and that as we uh, understand better the the gospel here and that suffering is necessary for our salvation that we will uh, have our lord's have the have heavenly father spirit to be with us to help us in our trials. Um I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See ya. Bye.